Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Such a great hymn. Good to see you all. And uh, we're working our way through this series and addressing some of the different top. Uh, tough topics or uh, issues that folks have with maybe embracing uh, faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, this morning, I thought I'd start with a, a little bit of a Bible knowledge test for us all and see if you can uh, recognize where this verse is found. It says, and Jesus said unto his disciples, go into all the world, teaching all men to live any way they want and urging each to find his or her own path to God. Let not any one of you make someone feel inferior or victimized because of their beliefs. Above all, be tolerant. Verily, verily, I say unto you that what you believe and how you live do not matter so long as you are sincere. And there was much rejoicing. So where that's found in uh, second hesitations, uh, so... I'm just joking, obviously. It's quoting from a book uh, that I was reading this week called Be Intolerant Because Some Things Are Just Stupid by Ryan Dobson. I thought that was an interesting uh, book title. Obviously, this isn't what Jesus taught. I'm not quoting him uh, in case I'm about to get fired. But in fact, so many people wish that was the message that Jesus taught, one that was palatable for all, one that everybody could cling hold to because present day, we're in a world that rejects truth claims really about anything, any kind of a truth claim. Why is that? Because we don't want anyone to be told they're wrong or to feel badly about themselves. In fact, present day, offense is the ultimate evil, unless you're on Facebook. But other than that, our world is very committed to making sure never to say anything that offends and makes someone feel uncomfortable. And as long as they're sincere, it's okay. But here's the problem, is if you're a Jesus follower, he doesn't really play nicely with other belief systems, does he? In fact, he's just the opposite. He's very clear on what his claims are and who he is. In John 14, 6, says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, John 3.18, he explains, whoever believes in him, referring to Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Let's be clear, it's not just Jesus with this understanding. Those who followed him grabbed hold of this exact same thinking. Peter, with his life on the line, standing before the religious leaders of that time, having to give clarity to what he believed, says this, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Not very inclusive, one might say. Paul explains similarly in 1 Timothy, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. This understanding of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ being the only way is something that's really, if you think about it, foundational to our belief system. And here in our present culture, much like in Jesus' days, 
days, it's a very easy way to clear out a crowd, right? Have you found that to be true? When you, when you proclaim the, the one way, one path, people resist that with everything they can. How arrogant, how narrow-minded, how intolerant is what's presented. But my question this morning, is it though? Is it exclusive? Is it intolerant? I hope to address just a few of the different myths this morning that maybe we don't have to check our brain at the door just because we have a a, a hold to a specific belief system. Let me pray before we explore on this topic. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to be together and already putting the spotlight on you through our worship, through song. We ask now that as we study this topic that on the other side of this, we'd be better equipped to engage with the world around us to have conversations, to do it respectfully and with love and graciously as you did so perfectly balancing grace and truth. We ask that your spirit would be present in this room now, that you would guide and direct. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So first myth, maybe you guys have had this interaction with somebody, maybe you've heard somebody make this claim, and this is the common one, aren't all religions basically the same. Have you heard that? Like really when you break things down, when you get to the kind of the nuts and bolts of a belief system, really isn't there kind of a universal brotherhood of mankind, a universal God with similar understandings of morality? Here's the interesting thing is, if you ask leaders of different faith systems, if their belief system is consistent with other belief systems, leaders of faith systems are very clear on understanding that they're not congruent, that they don't align. And here's the, the reason why is because they have very specific and very different claims. Think about it. The, the Buddhist doesn't believe in one God or in heaven and hell. The Muslim doesn't believe that God had a son The Mormon believes that there's three separate gods. The Baha'i believe that there's many paths getting to God. The Hindu believes that there's gonna be lots of attempts or possible attempts through reincarnation to achieve a higher, or to to reach God. The Jehovah's Witness believes that Jesus was God, but not the God. Judaism doesn't believe Jesus was the son of God. Do you see that there's a variety, a wide variety of beliefs about God and they can't all be the same? You'd think about it if you, this played itself out. God would be fairly schizophrenic if he's saying, Look, these are all different ways to me. You can, you can take any of these paths. Imagine if he said to one people group, okay, for you, it's going to be based simply on good works. If you're at the end of your days, if the, the, the weight is measured, uh, the good exceeds the bad, then you're in. For this other group, now it's, it's not gonna be based on works, it's gonna be based on enlightenment. If you go through these steps, if you get to this level, then you're going to achieve higher level and become one with me. Now for this group, it's simply on faith in my only begotten son is your only hope for rescue. But wait a second, this group over here, my, I didn't have a son. Like what, what in the world? Do you see how this doesn't make sense? Not all faith systems are equal, and they can't all be true when they don't align with each other. And that, I'm just mentioning some of the ones that are mainstream. There's a lot of faith systems that we would say, aren't they all true, that you're like, really? I was reading this article, and I'm not sure how accurate it is, 
uh, based on a couple arrested in Florida. Here's a picture of the couple uh, arrested for selling golden tickets. It says a couple in Florida, Tito and Amanda Watts, were arrested a few days ago for selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people. They sold the tickets on the street for $99.99. That's a fair deal. Per ticket, but told the buyers the tickets were made from solid gold and that each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at the pearly gates and you are in. Tito Watts said in his police statement, I do not care what the police say, the tickets are solid gold. And it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC and told me to sell them so I could get some money to go to outer space. I met an alien named Stevie who said I got the cash together. He would take me and my wife on his flying saucer to a planet that is made entirely of drugs. You should arrest Jesus because he is the one that gave me the golden tickets. I'm willing to wear a wire and set Jesus up. In her police statement, Amanda Watts said, we just wanted to leave the earth to go to space and do drugs. I did not do anything. Tito sold the golden tickets. I just watched. Police said they confiscated over $10,000 in cash, drug paraphernalia, and a baby alligator. So these are some of the different claims that are out there. And so not sure about the accuracy of that one, but either way, you don't have to look very far to see that, wait a second, we're not all equal peers in this. There, there's, there's, there's some thinking that's actually involved. And when you actually weigh and consider the different truth options, you start to realize Jesus is very unique from other world religions. Other world's religions say, follow me and I'll show you the truth. What does Jesus say? I am the truth. Other religions say, follow me and I'll show you salvation. Jesus says, I am salvation. Follow me, you'll find the light. Jesus says, I am the light. Follow me, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a golden ticket. Jesus says, I am the golden ticket. You get the idea that Jesus is unique because he's the only one qualified to bring us back into relationship with God. So you can't harmonize world religions. I was reading this week, the law of non-contradictions basically is this. If two statements about a particular issue contradict each other, then either one is true and the other is false or both are false, but they can't both be true. If Christ claims he's the only way to God and Muhammad says there's another way, then either Christ is right and Muhammad is wrong or Christ is wrong and Muhammad is right. They can't both be right. You get the idea here. And so really the question isn't whether Christianity is too narrow or Jesus' claims are too narrow. The question is whether or not it's true, whether or not it's true. Another myth that you've maybe dealt with or you've addressed is the exclusivity of Christianity. Claiming truth is arrogant and exclusive. Maybe you've been pushed into that conversation by the water cooler where somebody's just like, well, who do you think you are to have that claim of having the corner on how you uh, arrive to relationship with God? Anybody been pushed on that one a little bit? Like, isn't that kind of arrogant? But think about that for a moment. It doesn't mean just because you have a truth claim that you think that you're better than somebody else. That, they're, that, they're, that they don't have the right to have their own conclusion. But the reality is, is not each, per, when it's opposing views, somebody's gotta be right and somebody's gotta be wrong. So the idea of having a truth claim, every single faith system that's out there is based on truth claims. Even the person 
that comes to you and says, you know what, God, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible for God to be known. Who do you think you are to say that God can be known? Think about that for a moment. Isn't that in and of itself a truth claim? It's, they, they've put their, their, their basis of their understanding that God is unknowable. So that in and of itself is a truth claim. So don't be shy about having truth claims. Everybody has truth claims. You just want to go to the marketplace of ideas, wrestle through the different truth claims, and come to conclusion. Really, any decision that you make in life, isn't that how you do it? You weigh evidence, you consider the different possibilities, and then you come to conclusions. That's why the other week we started this conversation in this series with can the Bible be trusted? You want to weigh this as a possible truth source before you consider the claims of Jesus Christ. So is it, is it arrogant? Is, uh, I would say no. Is it exclusive? Think about the word exclusive. Imagine if there was a new country club that was opening here in Agora Hills. And one, actually two of them, the first one, the first of the country clubs says, you know, I have, you have a fee that you have to pay. They have a, a monthly uh, dues that are due. And then you also have a, a requirement of different dress codes. You would say, wow, that seems like a pretty exclusive. We say that sounds like an exclusive club. Now another club opens up on the other side of town and they say, guess what? everybody's invited and nobody has to pay anything and there's no expectations for entrance other than belief. Now, which of the two country clubs is exclusive? I would say the one with the mantra, everybody's invited, that's the inclusive one. And guess what Jesus Christ says? Everyone's invited. You don't have to get your act together. You don't have to go through a bunch of checklist things. You have to humbly admit your need for rescue and that I'm the only way. That's what sets it apart. So is it, is it arrogant? No, everybody makes tr truth claims. Is it exclusive? No, I'd say it's just the opposite. I would say it's inclusive rather than exclusive. Thinking through different myths, one other one that maybe you've dealt with is the person that comes to this, this conclusion Jesus was just a great moral teacher. Ever had somebody say that? Here's the thing with that. Is that the reason that someone says that is because they realize that you can't deny Jesus's existence. Like obviously Jesus was a, a man that lived here, walked on this earth. Most people are like, You're, there's too much evidence to point towards that, that you could deny that. So it pushes somebody to have to decide who was he then, right? And that's an easy comfortable statement that's inclusive for everybody. If you just come to the conclusion, he was just a good teacher. I respect some of the things that he says. And you guys have maybe had that conversation and that's a conclusion somebody comes to. But here's the problem with that idea is that Jesus didn't leave room for just being a moral teacher. Let me explain why. Because he made some claims about his identity that doesn't really allow for you to just be a good moral teacher. If you're a good moral teacher and you make claims about being God in the flesh, all of a sudden that idea, you're like, oh, that's more, that, that, that has to go. So he went far beyond moral teaching. Remember in the account where he's before the high priest having to give an explanation of who he is, Mark chapter 14, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said very clearly, I am. 
and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And look at their response. They didn't see him as a good moral teacher. It says, and the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witness do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. Do you see his claims pushed him out of the category as nice teacher to, whoa, this is a man that's really, as C.S. Lewis puts it, he's either one of three things. He's either a liar, he's crazy, or just maybe he's who he says he is. Really, that's really what we're, we're left with if we're honest with ourselves. He's either a liar, and consider that possibility. If, he, if he's a liar, then his claims about one day being raised back to life, those would have been shot down exposing him to be a liar. It would have been revealed as time played out. And so you're like, wait a second. And he also claimed a, a liar was a child of, of, of Satan. So he's either a, a demon spawn there. I don't know that we're willing to make that conclusion. So then a lot of people are more comfortable saying like, well, I just think he was maybe just a little bit off of his rocker, a little bit crazy. You know, like he, he made some claims. Maybe he didn't realize what he was saying. But think about it. How would someone, how would someone with such coherent life-changing teaching have also in the same, on the same realm be like, oh, Andy's crazy. Andy's all, he's, he's off his rocker. Like when you interact with somebody that's literally a little bit crazy and we all know somebody, some of us sitting by them, they don't have great coherent teaching. That's not how it works. And it doesn't something that they taught or said isn't going to be followed a couple thousand years later. See, that when you start wrestling through these possibilities of who he was, you're left to determine, wait a second, maybe the third possibility, maybe he is who he claims to be. Maybe he actually is Lord. Then you'd say, well, if he's Lord, then he would need to meet some legit qualifications for me to be able to surrender that as a possibility. You'd wanna see like, oh, well, I know that the, this book is jam-packed with things that were written about him, the prophecy that said that he was going to need to fulfill. I would expect that he would check every single box as far as prophecy goes. Did that happen? Yes. Did that happen? Yes, absolutely. You'd also say, all right, if he is going to be Lord, then if he walked amongst men, his life would be marked with the miraculous. Like you would, you, if somebody spent time with him, there would be miracles happening left and right, things that couldn't be explained by a common person or by a, a common man. Think about that for a second. Look at his life. I did a study a few years back looking at the scope of Jesus's miracles. When he made claims where, where scripture says he went into this town and he healed all of their sick. Like, what would that look like? Somebody came to Thousand Oaks and like, oh, I, I healed all of their sick. What in the world? So his, his life, obviously, with plenty of witnesses validating that it was marked with the miraculous. Another thing you might say for somebody to prove that he was the, the Lord, you'd also say, you know what, the things that he would say would be expected to change people's lives. Again, Look at the account of Jesus' life, his different interactions, his interaction with the woman at the well. Think about that. Was, do you think she went away changed? What, what about his interaction with the, the rich young ruler? Do you think they went away changed? Do you think about his interactions with the, with the religious leaders of the time? They were deeply impacted. Some left with literally nothing that they could say in response to them. And these are some of the most intelligent men of the time. 
See, Jesus, his teaching left an impact, still influencing life present day a couple thousand years later. You're like, oh, I think he checks that box. And then ultimately, the one that so often is pointed to, if he was Lord, if he was God in the flesh, what weight would death have on him? It would have, it would have no, no weight on him. He'd have victory over death. And ultimately, when you start looking at Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, you start having to ask yourself an important question. What if it is true? What if he is Lord? What, what if the things, the statements that he's made are accurate? And that's what I would say. The deeper you dive, the more you come to the conclusion, wait a second, this is the son of God. He is the only way to God. He is our only rescue option. So my question to us this morning as we're getting closer to closing is, what do you do with that? What's, what's the appropriate response to that? If he actually is who he says he is, what do I, what do, I do with that truth, truth and how is it relevant to me? About a year ago, I got invited by a friend of the gym uh, to go to, I'm a, I'm a car guy, I enjoy car stuff, and he invited me, he said, listen, he said, if you wanna come with me, I've got this thing on Saturday, it's a driving event, and uh, if you wanna come with me, you're welcome to, and I was like, I, I kinda, it's kinda blown it off a little bit at the gym, then he reached out to me a couple days before, and he's like, hey, I, I just wanted to follow up and see if you wanted to come to me, with me to this, this driving thing, and I'm like, well, tell me more about it. He t- explains to me that I'm going to get a chance to test drive a brand new McLaren, uh, which is like a $400,000 car. And uh, he's explaining it's a special edition one, blah, 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 brand new. And he said, there's going to be a, a test driver that drives with you to make sure you get the maximum performance out of the car. And uh, I, I was like, uh, do I, do I want to go to this? Are you kidding me? So he gets, sends me directions in my phone. I put it into the, the little GPS thing and it takes me on this route. It takes me on this route to that, that house. Have you ever driven on the way to Canaan, uh, on Canaan, on the way to Malibu, that huge home, the Malibu Estates home that's like $20 million with a vineyard all around it. So it takes me up this windy road going through these vineyards up to the top. When I get to the top, do you think I said anything about, well, oh, that's weird. There's only one way to get up here. Like, uh, let's see if there's another route to get to the top. No, I was like, are you kidding? I am in, this is the best possibility. And so it was such a blast driving that. Some of you that are non-car people, this illustration means nothing to you, but just uh, try, try to work with me. The idea here, the principle is this, is when it actually sinks in, what you've been invited to, you're not, weighing through. You're not saying, well, that's weird that there's only one way. You're just like, are you kidding me? I'm just thrilled that I'm invited. I'm invited to have relationship again with my, my maker, my designer, the lover of my soul, the, the one that has a, a plans and hopes for me, the one that have, offers a future. Are you kidding me? So the first thing as you're wrestling through in response to that, if Jesus is who he says he is, my hope for you is you, the first thing you would say is like, I'm in, sign me up. Like I, I, I'll, I'll leave anything 
to follow him. I'd leave everything. And so that's the thing that I love about the invite that's on the table for every single person while they're still breathing breath here on this planet is that invitation for a relationship. He said, just, just come as you are. It's an it's a inclusive club for us to just humbly acknowledge our sin and embrace his death as payment for our sin and his resurrection as the hope that we cling to. So that's the first response is accept. The second one is common sense is to, hey, once you embrace something, you want to grow in it. It's weird to say, say like, you know what, I'm, I'm just content being like having this much knowledge. If there's something that you've embraced and you're, you're passionate about it, the common sense next step would be like, well, I want to I grow in it. I want to put the work in. I don't want to be, I'm not content staying ignorant. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, my, my, my wife, one of her New Year's things, she wanted to be more uh, up to date on politics. And so she started playing in our, in the, the, our car as we're driving, having it on news stations. I'm like, this is lame. And, uh, and so, so anyway, I'm teasing. Uh, and so, kind of. Uh, and so... <laughs> And so she started doing this because she, she, she recognized that there's some steps that you have to take from being not fully in the loop to being in the loop. And here, here's the same with following Christ. You can't expect that you're going to just go from here to here without some degree of putting the work in. So if Jesus is Lord, if he is who he says he is, then man, I want, I want to embrace it and I want to grow in it. I want to I wanna get from here to here, and I know that that's not going to happen without some degree of effort. The third one there, you see accept, grow, and then live. You're like, well, that seems kind of elementary. The idea of living is this. I was having this conversation with my kids the other day in the car. Is man, if you claim something, if you claim something's true, for instance here, if Jesus is Lord in your life, then you can't go back to being you playing the role of Lord in your life. You see what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's an entire book, the book of James, written about this, this marriage between faith and works, that when you say something, it's gotta be evident in the way in which you live. Otherwise, you'd have to question whether or not it's a genuine belief of yours. So for us, as we're thinking through following Jesus Christ, if you claim that he's Lord, somebody better be able to look at your life and be like, yeah, I see some signs of that. I see they're operating differently. They're, they're responding to things differently. They're, they're, they're approaching, their, their mindset is different because he's playing the rightful role of Lord in their life, living by it. And then the last one, which I think would obviously make some sense is this one, is you, you share about it. One of the qualifiers of being a good friend is if you're out to lunch with somebody and they happen to have some lettuce or something in their teeth, what, what would we say a good friend does? Good friend tells them, points it out. They're just like, you know what? I'm elevating my care for you over potential offense, right? You're just like, you know what? I care about you too much to let you go with the spinach the rest of the day. Like that's the, that's the same principle. It's here for us. If you know somebody is believing a truth that's sending them to an eternity separated from God, are you more concerned about that or are you more concerned about offense? My hope is, is once you embrace Jesus as Lord, if he is the leader of your life, man, you want to tell people in a respectful, 
gentle way, not in an abusive. Sometimes this is where we uh, break out of the, the direction of God's plan. He says, I, you're, you're supposed to do it with, gr- with grace and truth, a, a blend between those. But the intent still is for us to open our mouths and share, and it's done because we genuinely care about somebody. Otherwise, man, what more selfish act could there be than to keep the rescue plan to ourselves? So just recapping, just in summary, the questions or the different uh, things where people get off base. The first one, what did, what did we say? The first one is this idea that all religions are the same. Is that accurate? Nope. They can't be competing in their beliefs and be the same. Is it, is it arrogant? Is it considered arrogant and exclusive to have a truth claim? No. Everybody has a truth claim, whether they realize it or not. Is Jesus, is Jesus just a good moral teacher? Nope. He taught moral things, but he's not just a good moral teacher. So my hope is, as you're interacting with folks, that some of these things might come to mind, that in some of this might more confirm the belief that you have that Jesus is, in fact, the only way. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to study this topic. My hope and prayer in this is really an equipping prayer that we would be better able to interact because there's so much at stake with what people believe about Jesus, what conclusion they've come to. God, I pray that you'd grow us in our understanding that this truth would go deep, that it would take root in who we are, We thank you so much for the reality that you aren't a God that's distant, that you did come down to engage with us and provide a way of rescue for us. It's worth that you're worthy of praise. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.